0: news daily thanks for being here we took a a bit of a border breather not entirely because at eight o'clock we talked to the guy who did the journey remember the other day we were talking about this video this 40-minute documentary well we talked to the guy who went to quito ecuador and then did the whole hike and train and boat and plane and the whole thing uh all the way to to dallas so we got to talk to him which was great that was at eight o'clock uh so we did border talk there and then in this in the next interview we talked to a congressman about some of the border issues as well so we did some border but in the second hour we presented this, these three stories, to test your uh, your your personal responsibility bona fides. It was very interesting because we did the first hour and everyone was on the side of, yes, the parents are responsible. I was gonna move on in the next hour, but after the interview, we still had a bunch of callers. So I was like, okay, let's go there. And every caller was on the no parents or we should not be holding parents criminally responsible for these reasons. So I like, Oh, that's interesting. Why, why such a drastic difference between the two hours? I don't know. Someone wrote me an email and said, maybe it's because people just had more time to think about it. That's interesting. Um, okay. So here it is. Here's the story. Let's take a, can we take a, a, border breather here for a minute? I know we've been all border all the time for the last couple of days for good reason, but, uh, let's take a quick breath. Oh, coming up in the next hour, though, we're going to talk to that guy who did the whole journey. He flew into Quito, Ecuador, and then hiked it with the illegal immigrants all the way up to Texas. So I got a ton of questions for that guy. So we're gonna talk to him coming up at eight o'clock. So that will be cool. All right. But I got a little, uh, little thought experiment here that I think is, uh, is, is important just to test to test your so-called principles, your principles you say you have when it comes to personal accountability, personal responsibility. I was on Fox Business the other day and there was a story about, uh, this was the theme, personal responsibility. Maybe we can get to that later, but um, we all, we're all we conservatives. We believe in personal responsibility, but is there a limit to it or where, where is the limit? Where's the line? I got three stories for you. Story number one, San Diego. These are all like this happened last week, uh, San Diego, a 14 year old told his friends, do not go to school because I'm going to bring a gun. And the 14 year old was arrested before there was any shooting. He's in juvenile hall. Police searched his house and they found some guns. Now, I was asking, uh, years ago, I asked a friend of mine, I said, how many guns should I own? And he said, you should own enough guns that it can be properly described as an arsenal. And then I asked him how much ammo, and he said something like (laughs) 10,000 rounds or something. I think that's what it was like, crazy number. Anyway, this guy had an arsenal. I don't know, what do you think an arsenal is? This guy had 19. Dad, the dad had 19 guns. The dad, that's, that's the important part of the story. The dad, this because a 14-year-old kid. The dad had 19 guns. The problem for him is some of them had no serial numbers. And they also found a rocket-propelled grenade and some concussion grenades, which I think just make a loud bang. But, um, and some of those, were they weren't even active. And the rocket-propelled grenade didn't work, so it was just like a hunk of metal. He also had this stuff. I've never heard of this. Sorry to all the, the second amendment, like people like pro gun or of course I'm gun like gun nuts. I've never heard of dragon's breath. Have you ever heard of dragon's breath ammo? I, I obviously watched some videos about this stuff. You shoot it and it's like, it creates like this like, like explodes and there's a stream of fire. And then when it hits the the person, the, the, the person lights on fire, it's awesome. Uh, you can't have that in California. There's no way. I didn't check the law on that, but having lived in California a long time, I'm certain that's illegal. So, uh, and then he had some armored vests and gas masks. He had the whole thing. So his dad was arrested for, I think it was the nine guns that had no serial numbers on them and being in California, he's going to get the book thrown at him. I think he's facing three years and he'll get all three years. He'll get three years on the gun charges, but he's really gonna get three years because it was his son who made threats to shoot up the school. Now, dad says they were all locked up and his son had no access to them, but the kid told police that one of the locks was broken and he could indeed get the gun. So dad is gonna get years in prison because of a threat that his son made. So the question is how responsible, how responsible is the dad how responsible is the dad for his son's threats to shoot up the school? How responsible is the dad? And then the follow-up is, what should the punishment be for the dad? Should the dad go to jail? Okay, that's story one. Interesting. Story two. Michigan. There was a school shooting in Michigan. It was in 2021. It was a 15-year-old brought a nine millimeter killed four students injured seven more he was charged as an adult sentenced to life no parole plus 24 years mom and dad were also arrested person's name is uh pull it up here i'll tell you as soon as my internet starts to work the argument is That the mom, Jennifer Crumbly is the mom's name. The argument is that the mom and dad should have known that their son had severe mental health issues. And they should have never given him a gun. So there's security video of mom and son inside of a shooting range. And he goes first. And then he shows her... I don't think he's, I don't know. I don't know if he's teaching her how to use the gun or showing her, I I don't know. But he goes first, then mom goes. And she posted on Instagram, a video of their targets. And she posted on Instagram, mom and son day, testing out his new Christmas present. My first time shooting a nine millimeter, I hit the bullseye. All right, so there, so he must've been, so the son was uh, teaching mom how to use this gun, how to fire this gun. My first time shooting a nine millimeter, I hit the bullseye. Three days later, Mom's at work. Dad was making DoorDash deliveries and he goes into school with that nine millimeter and murdered four classmates. He's going to jail forever. Mom was charged with four counts of involuntary manslaughter. They carry a max of 15 years each. They could be done consecutively so she could go to jail for the rest of her life. Charges have never been brought against the parent of a school shooter ever before. This is the first time charges have been brought against a parent. And the prosecution's arguing that this mom shouldn't have bought a gun for her son who had obvious mental health issues. This is in uh, Oxford. Is it Oxford, Michigan? Yeah, Oxford, Michigan. So it's it's country. Guns are everywhere there. His family owned three handguns. Let me read this here because the question is like how obvious were the, was the mental health, Uh, on April 5th, Ethan told his friend by text. He was thinking about calling 911 on himself, but was afraid his parents would be really ticked. He thought he was having a mental breakdown. I'm going to ask my parents to go to the doctors tomorrow or Tuesday again. Last time he asked, uh, his dad gave him some medicine, told him to suck it up and his mom laughed. She makes everyone feel like blank, he said, but this time I'm going to tell them about the voices. I, last time I only told them about the people I saw. And uh, mom's defense is I'm a busy mom. I had no idea. We could go over more detail, but I, I, I think the conclusion of this one is a, a parent should have known about this. This, this was a, an amount of mental health problems that a parent w- would know about it. So so, so' story number two. How responsible is mom and dad for that school shooting committed by their 15 year old son? Should they be criminally liable? So she was just convicted yesterday. So she's guilty. Of those four charges Again, first time charges ever been brought let alone first time found guilty so obviously now sentencing okay let me give you a third one so you may be like okay well so you got the first one there was no school shooting but the dad's still gonna probably get jail time okay second time uh second one with well, a mom will get jail time she found guilty for her role and responsibility shouldn't have given the gun away okay third story and then we'll take your phone calls in. uh this is in virginia this one is a little bit ago uh you may remember the six-year-old who shot his first grade teacher you heard that right six-year-old shot his first grade now i remember when this this, this story first came out and i was like okay like you you make a movie in your head like what this probably looked like okay so uh first grader brought a gun to school it was in his backpack and he reached in and accidentally pulled the trigger and the gun ricocheted off the floor and nicked the teacher's leg or something Like, like what like nope the kid took out the gun pointed it at his teacher who was reading in the front of the classroom and shot her point blank like just blatant point blank shoot intentionally taught, shot his teacher so my first thought was where's the dad and i remember we brought it up here and people were like whoa whoa slater before you start going all off, to, off the dad Maybe the dad didn't know there was a son. Maybe the dad wanted to be with the son, but the mom wouldn't let him. So don't go blaming the dad until you know the full story. It's like, okay, I suppose. Uh, that's probably not what happened. <laughs> we probably have a deadbeat dad who abandoned his son and, and left him with this uh, woman, and he's been raised in a feral way, and and now he's murdering his first-grade teacher. But uh, okay. No one talked about the dad. I've never heard a single thing talk about this dad. Okay. The mom was charged because she said the gun was locked away in a safe, but police never found a safe. They never found a key. She lied about that, obviously. Uh, and, but they got her because she's high on marijuana all the time. So they got her on owning a gun while using marijuana, which I think is what they got Hunter Biden on as well. So she was sentenced to 21 months. She also used that gun. They found an abandoned U-Haul that she rented with the windows blown out because she shot that gun at her son's father when she saw him with his new girlfriend. (laughs) All right. So we got some dysfunction going on there. So, so the question is, is that mom responsible for this six year old? Those are my three stories, three interesting cases. And I don't, I do not want to get my take on it yet. How much should parents be held liable for a kid's behavior? But I will throw this one last thing and then we'll take your calls. Uh, these are all shooting related stories. Let's go down this, let's go down this road here. I was in high school and uh, a kid drove drunk home from a party and the, and, uh he got in an accident and the two people, the two other kids in the car were killed. It was like horrible, horrible. The driver, the guy driving drunk, he survived. He went to jail for, I don't know, like 10 years or something. Um, so he was driving drunk. The dad gave him the keys to, uh, that was a Ferrari or something, like some crazy sports car that, like everyone knew in town, by the way. Like every, everyone knew that this guy had this car, so it was like a big shot in town for everything, And gave it to his probably 16 year old son to drive. So what, how liable is the dad for giving? So something like that, right? Or, or any any drunk driving, maybe it's not even, you know, it's sports car, it's any drunk driving, are parents held responsible? So at what point are parents not responsible for something that their 16, 17, 18 year old, or 16, 17 year old does, or six year old? Is age the big variable or is the guns the big variable? Very interesting. So I'll just say this again. The conservative principle is personal responsibility. We believe in personal responsibility. It's one of our bedrock principles. How far do you take that? Or when is a parent no longer responsible for a kid's behavior? Let me just take one call and then we'll take a break and we'll um, let the calls ride up here. We'll go to Elliot, who's in New Jersey. What's up, Elliot? Not much. Um,
1: I just think as far as the first story with the, the father having a 9 face firearms in there, that's a felony in every state, each gun. So if, if he gets three years, he'll be lucky because <laughs> it's just completely illegal to face firearms. she can't have it. Yeah. And then the kid who killed the classmates, um, I, the parents knew about his mental health issue. They still bought him a, a firearm. And the school called him or called the parents the day before or that day, yeah, that day, they came to the school. They said they didn't have time. They got to go back to work, which is un- I don't know if it's understandable. And they offered same day treatment, like, hey, something's up with your son. You guys come get him, and there's a some help for him right now. You could take him to, and they declined. So I mean, I understand parents got to work, and you know it's do for self type of environment, but you can't you you, of course you're gonna be held responsible. You bought him the gun, he shouldn't have one, especially if he's having voices or Mm. mental problems. Isn't that on the gun registration? Or if you had to buy it for yourself and you're having mental issues, you can't get a gun. So why would you buy it for your child Mm. if you know he's having mental
0: issues? So you so I love your your attitude is like, of course, of course, of course this is the first time that a, that a mom and the dad's trials uh, coming here. Uh, it's the first time ever that a parent's been held responsible to an extent. So you, it sounds like you're very much for it.
1: I mean, in that circumstance, yeah. If Now, I don't know how much time she should get, but should we just say, no, they have no culpability. They bought the gun. They knew the kid wasn't supposed to have a gun due to his mental health. So, if you were a parent of one of them children, how would you feel if the parent kind of knew? It's not, a, It's not. Yeah, that's uh, good. you know. And then yeah. when you mentioned the kid and the drunk driving, I've there's been cases where, I don't know if people went to jail behind it, but, you know, certain some bars be liable for keep serving a guy or a or, or person. The, the person leaves, should have been flagged, goes, gets in an accident. Uh, bars or restaurants have gotten sued behind it, so I I, I don't know. I mean, we
0: listen. I, we we I t- Elliot, I appreciate the call. I tested your your, your personal responsibility principles, and uh, you I don't want to say you pass the test. It's up to anyone, but you 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 stand by them. Uh, just one quick note on the the Michigan kid uh, when he was the parents called the school called the parents into the school because he wrote on a piece of paper. Um, picture of a person with a bunch of holes in them like bullet holes and he wrote the thoughts won't stop help me blood everywhere the world is dead and the school called him in and uh the parents it was that dad. i think the parents laughed and the, the kid went in the went in the bathroom and that was it right 866-95-patriot Eight six six nine five patriot now keep as you're answering these questions in your head think go keep going down that slippery slope you got the drunk driver too okay well, what about Shoplifting. What about, uh, you know, kids uh, carjacking? There's a ton of carjacking kids in DC, right? We start arresting parents for all the things that kids do. Breitbart News Daily had a congress bright and early bright and early getting up and at him in the morning there's congressman Andy Ogles from Tennessee congressman how are you sir
2: I'm doing well it's a crazy day in DC uh considering hey. the votes we had last night
0: man thanks for taking time to be with us and, and this early in the morning as well so let's uh, I guess we should start with Mayorkas so the the impeachment what happened with the impeachment yesterday
2: well, so you had three Republicans who decided not to vote to impeach, uh, and then a fourth one came along and voted no, but what that'll do will allow us next week to bring the Majorcus impeachment back. So not all hope is lost. There's a procedural, mechani- procedural mechanism in there where we will vote on it again. Scalise will be back next week, so we should have uh, the vote. So if, if the three hold as no, with this Khalees being back, we'll have the votes to uh, to impeach my workers, assuming no one gets sick, assuming no one breaks an ankle and that kind of thing. But uh, it, it's frustrating. Uh, you have an individual who's let 8 million people into this country. He's complicit in that. If you and I went down to the southern border, if you and I aided just say 12 people come across the border, <laughs> you and I would be in prison, right? But this guy lets eight million people in, and he gets off scot-free.
0: <laughs> okay, so that that speaks to the uh, McClintock argument. So we talked to McClintock the last time you guys voted on this, and takes the strong constitutional principled approach that no high crime and misdemeanor was committed. Uh, as, as awful as he is at his job, Congressman, no high crime or misdemeanor was committed. What do you say to that? I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> let's like let's just make it that basic. If you were a human smuggler, if Congressman Ogles had a little side gig as a human smuggler, then you'd probably get in trouble. That would be a, that would be a misdemeanor, I think, probably.
2: I'm pretty sure as a conservative Republican, they throw me under the jail. But that speaks to our two-tier tier, justices. That's a whole other conversation, right? Yeah. But, but that's the problem. And so I've introduced a bill called uh, Send Them Back. Which basically what it does is anyone who's coming to this country illegally since the beginning of the Biden administration, so that's January 20th, 2021, they would be uh, essentially uh, labeled as uh, for immediately immediate removal from the country, deport, deportation. So it's the largest. Deportation uh, that's ever been contemplated in, in this country, and quite frankly, we need to go further back in time. But you have to start somewhere. We've got to get control of who's in our country. We have criminals, we have terrorists, we have assassins that we know are in our country, and Joe Biden has done nothing about it.
0: Okay, I want, I want, I want to circle back around that. Let me ask you this. Let me, let me, let me tell you this, if you don't mind, Congressman. Um, yeah. So something very interesting uh, happened yesterday. So the, obviously the the Senate bill, and I want to ask you about that. But, it, but it, we got the assessment that this thing's dead. Uh, we got the feeling. We talked to Senator Mike Lee yesterday, and we talked about how it's probably, it may not pass the Senate, and very grateful for Speaker Johnson saying that this thing is, we not, may not even vote on this in the House, so it is just dead. So I came into yesterday's show with like, all right, everyone, all right, Republicans, here we go. Good job. We got a little fight, a little pep in our step. Our listeners were having none of it there there was there wasn't a a second of jubilee we are not going to waste one day on yay we had an okay defense our listeners were very angry and still very frustrated about what is what are we doing on the offense we have to do something what do we do in the meantime for the next year and then let's say trump wins what are republicans going to do then it was a very interesting uh Uh, moment yesterday like we talked to senator mike lee had like a nice chat and it was like but what are we doing now instead so congressman
2: you know absolutely so keep in mind uh roughly eight months ago the house we passed house bill two which was a border security bill the senate has been sitting on it for almost a year and they haven't done a thing and so the answer to this question is right now congress is in gridlock gridlock and that's why the 10th amendment and the power of the state is so important and you as, as a constituent myself as as a member of congress but just a voter we've got to be loud and proud of the fact that this is our country and encourage those governors on those border states to stand the ground, to give us that time to stand in the gap Mm -hmm. until we can get Donald Trump into the White House and do what's gotta be done. We didn't have this problem under uh, Donald Trump. Quite frankly, we didn't have these types of numbers under Obama. So this is an administration that is willfully usurping the law, Allowing our country to be invaded. Every small town in America is, is a border town because of fentanyl. We all know somebody, have heard of somebody close to us that's been that's overdosed. This is a problem, and quite frankly, the Senate's not doing its job. We did our job in the House. We passed HB2, which would have secured the border eight months ago. And that's fewer murders, that's fewer rapes, that's fewer uh, overdoses, that's fewer carjackings. But if, if we had passed our bill, if Biden had signed our bill. But he's a feckless piece of crap, and he's not going to do it. And that's the reality that we face.
0: So the answer is... Forgive me. No, 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 no need. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so the answer is the governors of the border states need to fill that gap in the meantime that that's our quote-unquote offensive move until trump wins so okay fine how can we be so sure congressman that if trump is the president and you feckless republicans are back in power that anything (laughs) different will happen even from 2016 when that was the case and nothing happened
2: i think you know uh the answer to that question is look at the senate bill is that the house revolted we we started messaging against the senate bill because it's nothing more than amnesty and then the american people rose up and said enough is enough you also look at your blue cities like chicago like new york and the list goes on and on we're we're Democrat mayors are saying, please close the border. So this mm-hmm. has reached an inflection point in yeah. the American psyche where everybody sees the problem and the risk and the realities of allowing your country to be invaded. Even and so are going to demand, quite frankly, for action to be taken. And I wish, I wish I had a magic wand and I could get the Senate to pass House Bill Two, but they're not going to do it. And so Again, this is, this is the beauty of our Constitution and what the founders put in place is that when the federal government drops the ball the way the Senate has, that you have the power within these states to do something about it. And if you look at the S- Supreme Court decision, yes, the decision said that the federal government could take down the razor wire in Texas, but they, they did not prevent Texas from continuing to put it up. So that that empowers <laughs> Abbott and the other governors to keep just putting up the dadgum wire. And so there's this standoff that could and should have happened over the Constitution because it matters that the, the governors in this country have the power to protect their citizens.
0: Okay, wait, hold on. So the so wait, wait, the, the court order said that, what, the border guard can take the wire down? But it didn't say that Texas you- can't put it. Uh, tell, tell me the nuance again.
2: So, so again, when you look at the Supreme Court decision from a couple of weeks ago, it, it yeah. said that the federal government has the right to remove the razor wire. Oh, but it great. did not – there was no cease and assist. <laughs> they did not tell Texas to stop. Oh, that's so that's why, good. you know, you had 25 or so governors saying, you know what, we're with Texas, because they essentially were given, you know, a nod and a wink, a green light, a yeah, yeah. look. It's your state, it's your border. You That's can keep good. protecting it. Just know that the federal government may run interference.
0: Yeah, and so, so this what is you... an
2: important standoff between the states and the federal government. And I'm a states' rights guy. I mean, every state is better off if if they're running their education, if they're running their their trans- transportation departments, if they're running their health care and if they're securing uh, their citizens.
0: So the Democrats always win the rhetorical battle. For whatever reason either they are just more skilled at it or they have the entire lame stream on their side except for breitbart.com so instead of this being framed as you senators aren't acting on hr2 it's you republicans aren't securing the border by passing the democrats bill in in the senate Um, and this is actually worth playing Uh, it's kind of long chuck schumer was on msnbc and he made the point or his argument was: If you don't pass this congressman, this border bill, and we don't aid Ukraine, then we're going to have Americans in Ukraine fighting against Russia, and you don't want that. And and we need to secure our border, and you don't want to secure the border. Uh, and there was another one too. What was the third thing? Uh, There's some of the third. At least like, but if you don't, if you don't, if you don't, and there, he's very, very good at this. Why can't Republicans get a better handle on winning the? The rhetoric game.
2: Well, I mean, at this point, I don't think that the American people are buying it. The the best way to secure our border, so Schumer says, is to spend money in Ukraine. That's asinine. They're talking about sending another $60 billion, B as in Bravo, dollars to Ukraine. The entire budget of the U.S. Marines last year was $53.8 billion. So we're going to spend more money on someone else's military and someone else's border than we are wow. our own. That is nonsense. And the American people aren't buying it. And when you start looking at the nuances of the Senate bill, it actually gives the president the ability, gives him more power to weigh the, the entry caps. I mean, it, it's a hot mess. And quite frankly, it's garbage. I mean, it, it yeah. is it's a, it is incredibly, I don't know who actually penned the legislation, but it is a poorly constructed poorly written piece of crap and again that's why we rejected it wholeheartedly and when you're allowing 1.8 million people to come into this country and giving them a status quote-unquote they can't be deported and that's what you call amnesty
0: uh we talked to senator mike lee yesterday about getting rid of mcconnell Uh, um it's over in the senate across the hall there but he's got to go right
2: Yeah, I saw an article. I was while I was waiting and listening to your show. uh, I think there was some comment, some uh, that talking about Ted Cruz is now gunning for McConnell. Look, we do need new leadership. Uh, We've got to, like you said, we've got to go on offense. We need that messenger that can go out, and America is looking for a fighter. Uh, You know, sometimes we want leaders to lead, even if they make a mistake. You pick a lane, you you lay out a plan, and you start executing that plan. And then if, if along the way you realize that you're making mistakes, you can adjust. but this constant back and forth and, and playing defense and yielding to the Democrats and yielding to Schumer and yielding to Hakeem Jeffries and Nancy Pelosi, that crap's got to stop. Yeah here, we yeah, have Tim- a we have separate branches of government, and we as Republicans in the House, we've got to take back the power of the purse.
0: Yeah, here's a couple of these senators. It was it was uh, Rick Scott, Mike Lee. Talked to you yesterday, Ron Johnson, J.D. Vance, Roger Marshall, Eric Schmidt, uh, and then Ted Cruz, uh, saying he's got to go. And uh, McConnell said, "I think we can all agree that Senator Cruz is not a fan." Uh, so, that's right. That's all that. <laughs> I imagine that's right. Um, but like, what are we doing? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't even understand. As I don't know how Congress works, right? I don't, I don't get the ins and outs. But you actually you look at both. You look at Pelosi, and you're like, what? Like, how is she? <laughs> like so effective. At her job, it's unbelievable. She can barely put sentences together. And then same thing with McConnell. You look at McConnell. You're like, why? Like, how is this guy the leader of the Senate? How is he so powerful? But these people stay in power even after they have strokes. <laughs> they, like, almost die in TV. And they, like, stick around. It's unbelievable. So what are these people doing behind the scenes that uh, that they can stay in power like this? What happens down there
2: Well, I mean. In the swamp? It, it, it follow the money. It, it's when you're giving away, when you unlock, the, unlock and open the doors to the candy shop to every lobbyist in town, that makes you popular. Uh, and then people like myself and Ted Cruz and Mike Lee who believe in fiscal responsibility and cutting the budget and telling lobbyists not only no, but hell no, uh, that makes us a little less popular. Uh, but, you know, I didn't come up here to make friends. I came up here to save the republic. And, and look, the way I would describe where we're at, going back to the border and what do we do on immigration is, you know, we're, we're on the battlefield. Currently we are outmanned and we're outnumbered and we have injured soldiers on the ground. That doesn't mean that you don't stop fighting. It doesn't mean that you don't hold you hold the line and wait for reinforcements to come because we know reinforcements are coming. Trump's gonna win the primary and Trump's gonna win the general. We're going to win the Senate. So we only have a few few more short months to hold out because we know the reinforcements are there. And to your point, once we get the House, the Senate, and the White House, then we've got to do our freaking job, and we've got to secure that border. We've got oh, to start man. deporting people. We've got to start saying no. This is our country. We get to decide who comes here, and quite frankly, we get to decide who has to leave.
0: Uh, the part uh, the audience is gonna be on you, Congressman, to, to make that happen. It's gonna be a beautiful thing. I can't wait for it. Uh, my last point is about this deportation, your bill. So, admittedly, deportation, that's a lot. That, that's that's next level. Building a wall and having Mexico pay for it is one thing. Physically going to get people, picking them up and putting them, ripping them out of their homes, Congressmen, away from their families. They're, they're young children. They know no different than this way of life. And you're going rip, to rip them out and send them back to a place that they don't even know, a dangerous place. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine the rhetoric congressman?
2: Look, if, if if I if I seek myself, my wife, and my family in the Disney world, and we're standing in line, we're about to get on the roller coaster, our kids are excited, and, and here comes the guys to kick us out because we're, we're not there legally, guess what? Too bad, they're going to kick our butts out. There's no difference, right? We entered into the park illegally. We don't have a right to be there. And I'm sorry, I, I, I look at it this way, they're, you're at home and your roof is leaking. That, that has a, 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 a solution. That has an approach on how to fix it. A few weeks later, the roof caves in. That's a different conversation. That's a catastrophic event. Guess what? With had 8 million people come into this country, that's a catastrophic event. And it requires extreme measures to fix our country, to save our country. And look, there is an intentional act here. On the behalf of Biden, on behalf of orcas to flood Texas, New Mexico, and Arizona with illegals. It's a new class of voter. Those folks are counted in the census. It's moving members mm-hmm. of Congress, Congress away from red states into what, what they present will be blue states in two, 10 years. This is intentional. This is to make sure that the Democrats always hold the White House. We have to stop this, and we have to fight back.
0: Yeah, I'm just thinking of these the, the whatever branch of government or, or law enforcement branch would, would actually do the deportation. And, and I'm just thinking of MSNBC calling them, you know, the Trump's SS and just all, <laughs> oh man, it'll be, it would be unbelievable. Uh, what about their humanity? Congressman? Don't you care about these real life human beings? This isn't water coming on a roof. These are real people.
2: What about the murder that happened last week, yesterday, at the hands of illegal? What about the woman or child that was raped yesterday at the hands of illegal? How about the carjacking that took place? How about the kid in college that smoked a joint because they were having fun at a party and they're dead because they overdosed on fentanyl yesterday? That, that's the answer to that question. If I have to choose between Americans and illegals, I choose Americans every day of every week.
0: Rona McDaniel, the head of the RNC, is uh, leaving. Any thoughts on her and who should take her spot?
2: You know, Matt Gates had an interesting uh, comment on Twitter or X or Twix, whatever you want to call it, uh, talking about Kevin McCarthy uh, would make a great uh, chair because of his fundraising prowess. And quite mm. frankly, I don't disagree with that. Uh, but I have I don't really know who's wants it, uh, who's in the running, uh, and, and who's the favorite at this point.
0: Do you have any relationship with her, or like, or not, not even her, but like the RNC? Like, how does how does a con- what is a congressman's relationship to the RNC? How does that work?
2: Uh, Yeah, I can't say that I have, like, a close relationship with with them or their apparatus. I mean, obviously, I'm a Republican and I run, but I I was the grassroots candidate. You know, I scrapped my way to to get into this seat. And... um, you know, I, I'm not kind of your, your cocktail Republican that, that uh, hangs out at the swingy clubs and all that. You know, <laughs> I go, I do my job, I uh, eat at my desk. I'll go to the gym last night. I ran three miles and I worked out and I came home and I FaceTimed my family. I, I, I live a rather boring life. Uh, but that being said, the Republic is at stake. and if eating, uh, if, if eating at my desk is the price for that,
0: then so be it. Well, I'll see you at Scouts Pop one of these days. Congressman, Congressman uh, Andy Ogles, when you're back in town. Uh, We'll go to scouts. I appreciate you, sir. Keep up the great work. Have a great day. Uh, Congressman Andy Ogles right there. So listen to the Breitbart News Daily. And we stream the show on The First TV. You go to thefirsttv.com. You can watch their First TV apps totally free. You can watch the show uh, on Roku, Pluto, <clears throat> all the different streaming services. And also there's one more I'm missing. Ah, TV, channel 347. You can watch the show there. Uh Tomorrow, 8 o'clock, Dr. Sebastian Gorka, Mike Slater, Breitbart News Daily. Have a great day. Spread the word.